what would humans be like if there were no coincidences, no synchronicities, no no things to lead them to believe that there's like something spiritually higher going on? How would they behave? Would they still find them somewhere or mm. like make it so no one can ever look at the clock at 1111? It's like, have you ever noticed I've never seen the clock at 11? <laughs> you ever notice I've never seen 222 before? Not once. I've seen 236. I've seen 201. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mind Under Matter. I am your co-host, Shane Moss. Joining me today, special surprise guest, Ramin Nazer. This just in Mind Under Matter rules. So newscaster beep. I don't know if I can do it right. Yeah. That's right, gang. We're one of those shows now. Yeah. You thought we were a regular we're show? Upgrading. You're like, we're upgrading. Oh, one of those. I tuned in for insights. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, boy. That's what your Patreon money gets, by the way. That's It's not that that costs me anything, but it does allow me the time to research <laughs> how do people put drum rolls on a podcast without drums um i uh yeah so today is the second of a special monthly series that we do where we in instead of uh often maybe sometimes it's the time of year like we have a six a sweet 16 um podcast coming up uh, next week, where we're going to be talking about puberty and uh, and high school and and th- those awkward years, and also comparing it to what happens with juveniles in the animal kingdom too, and uh, just have a fun little sixteenth birthday party. <laughs> what was the word you uh, used for- that uh, you said that we often anthropomorphize animals, but we also. An- a- Anthro denialism. Anthro denialism. Yeah, that's worse yeah. than climate denial. Is yeah, an- thinking that we're somehow like just a completely different thing than all these other animals. These these primitive other things that we have gained domain over. We're exactly um, monkeys with clothes. It's exactly that. <laughs> it is. So the fancier we dress, the more ridiculous it is, if you're aware of it. If you're like out of it, you're just like, yeah, you just dress fancier. But if you're aware, like, I bet not a day goes by that I'm not reminded that I'm a primate. And when, when you have that regular reminder... The fancier, the more like <laughs> the more ridiculous it is every time. And I still like like fine dining and things like that, but it's just it feels so dumb. Yeah, like, what a fancy ape that I am! Whoa, your favorite joke of mine, I think, is still the 
the one where if I'm supposed to be some high angel whatever thing, then I'm a failure. But if I'm a monkey, I'm a really good monkey. I'm a <laughs> yeah. very impressive monkey. And you don't use angel in the joke; it's something else. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was raised to believe that I was like a you know a gift made by God. For oh, perfection. gift of God, even better. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a like disappointment that. as a gift from God, but as a monkey, I'm a damn fine monkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so we started this thing. So, uh, once a month on a public episode for everyone to hear for free, we thought we'd let Patreon members weigh in. It went really good last month. We did uh, we did the book reports episode. We had like five patreon questions ready to go that we are going to answer and then just got wrapped up talking about books so it was we're readers awesome. what can we say we're voracious we velociraptorous <laughs> readers we're reading uh, left we're reading right we're reading in front of us we're reading on your on the tips of your toes we're reading everything I, I still think we'll use the we had we we chatted out a few different pieces of art for that episode and I think my idea would be could be used still eventually because it's not bad it's just another dichotomy um one where on one panel uh, on the on the top half there's a top and bottom half and on the top half it's a guy like exploding exuberantly out of a pile of books and it says something to the effect of um uh, what I, how much I tell people I like reading, and then on the bottom, it's a guy being chased by a book with teeth, like Pac Man <laughs> <laughs> says, "Me actually trying to read or something, something <laughs> along those lines." I think that could be fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, we so so this was one that we put aside that we weren't even going to touch because we already knew it was going to be a, a big topic and maybe we'll i have other ones pulled up too but my guess is we'll only get to this one and it was a lot of people wrote these really long thoughtful ones and we'll we'll get to them eventually um and more but this was just from red pearl on patreon who asked us to uh discuss free will um, two word, but, two word question. It was perfect. Uh, All they wrote easy is peasy. Discuss free will. Uh, can easily, I think, fill an episode talking. We can easily fill an episode doing that. I do want to. I I had a thought too that maybe we don't. Um, uh, maybe it's also it would be good for us to uh, good practice for us to celebrate things that we're into a little bit more as well because we have the freedom of not being an ad free show because we're supported by Patreon so we don't have to plug a bunch of crap that we don't care about or like and don't actually believe in and uh, I was just we'd thinking, like to ce celebrate National Police Officers Day <laughs> to to honor our men and women in blue. <laughs> That's how how do, you, how do you read my mind every time? It is unbelievable. Uh, are you in my head? Uh, this is, but this is, I'm, I'm giving a preemptive plug to a thing that I haven't seen. I'm going to watch it after this recording. I'm just excited about it and I want to talk about it, but Rory Scovel just put out a special on, uh, on YouTube. It Ooh. just came out like an hour ago as of this recording. So listeners can hear it. Well, here's where I want to watch is I saw him doing some of these shows. I don't think I was there for any of the recorded ones. 
but he went he did a tour that he just went on stage without any material whatsoever and i've seen people improvise before and first off i'm not the biggest fan of on stage imp- like i love Ramin's improvising i'm not the biggest fan of like on stage improvising all like i like alti improvising a little bit but usually it's like the comic has a joke for every occupation that there is that they've thought of ahead of time. And then they ask the person in the crowd what they do. And they're like, I'm a carpenter. They're like carpenter. (laughs) Yeah. And, and it's like, and that's what all comics post on like Instagram and stuff too, is crowd work stuff. Todd Berry does it good though. Or Todd Berry and Moshe, they're, they're excluded from this rule. They've transcended that. Yeah. Oh, and I'm plugging Rory Scovel just because of this because this is like what i saw i couldn't even comprehend it, it's it's how good it was so i was in atlanta at this festival and i'm also biased because i i know rory first off he's just a swell fella and uh and a super nice guy but i've known him for a while we're not like super close or anything but we bump into each other on the scene from time to time so we're in this atlanta festival and he has a show in the same space after mine. So I stick around afterward because we're hanging out in the green room and everything. It's funny because he is like smoking weed too. Like some people have a different <laughs> relationship with weed than I do. Because I can't imagine go smoking weed before a set with prepared material. I mean, I've done it, but it doesn't go. It's like a 50-50 sort of thing. But he did it without having any material. And I was like, he must have some ideas like kicking around and stuff, right? And he gets out there and I'm watching from the back and I have a real eye for for like if someone like has a joke they're crowbarring in or whatever. And it was so genuine and authentic and like using the stuff in the space and and it wasn't instead of just like asking someone what they did he was like building this narrative this whole time i hope i'm not building up the special i haven't seen too much who knows how well it was oh you are but else. maybe it maybe it delivers i trust that if anyone can deliver something like that it would be him if i had to challenge anyone i know and i will say his netflix special is real good it, it's, yeah it's, rory scoville really tries funny. stand-up comedy for the very first time <laughs> yeah, and now fair. he's doing something similar i guess except that one it seemed like there was at least some written there bits. was there was yeah a lot of it like seems like spur thing. of the moment though but yeah who, who yeah. knows how much of it actually is because i've only seen it uh, yeah in that context well so i so i watch this first night i'm in the back of the room and i watch and i'm like I'm laughing like I did I did a really good show that I worked really hard on over you know however long and had a hot crowd and did really well and I'm like man I think he's doing better than I did you know there's a there's also like there's an energy to it when everything's improvised and everything too and um and holy, I was like, I was laughing so hard. It was like an hour and a half. And I don't, I don't laugh much at stand up. <laughs> I'm usually just like, oh, that's pretty good. Like, I, I like analyzing jokes and stuff. And then the next night or, or two nights later or whatever, I was like, I'm going to go and watch. It. I mean, it was incredible. It, it was like, I guess I'm not cut out for comedy sort of good when I watched it. <laughs> And then, and then I, I went and, uh, and I, 
I saw, oh, I'm making sure that, yeah, we're recording good. Um, I went and I, I saw him do it again. So I'm like, surely he'll like repeat a few things or whatever. And this is like either the next night or the night after that. And I went and I saw him in a bigger space and I saw him do a completely improvised show again. And it was, it was like, I once, uh, there was this guy in Jamaica at a mushroom retreat once, this old guy, he was like, he's a peculiar man. And he is like, I saw Led Zeppelin in some small bar before there were anyone. And they were so good. I had to leave. And I'm like, what do you mean had to leave? <laughs> he's like, I was mad about it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I actually did that during Rory. Like it was <laughs> so funny. I was like, I don't even know what's happening. I left the room. Like I caught my breath and then I came back in and he's still just like, not just crushing, like anyone can make an audience, but also like not only crushing with the audience, but crushing with me, like, you know, comedy savvy stuff that, that like someone with an eye for comedy is laughing at too. And it was... It was a strange feeling. It was, mad's not the right word. It was just like utter confusion. I was probably on a few things as well, but like, holy shit. It, it reminds was, me of when, uh, you know, George Carlin said that if Richard Pryor hadn't died, then he would have uh, quit because like he just couldn't have ever seen himself still doing stand up if someone of his caliber was still doing it. Also, yeah. Bill Burr said it about Patrice like if his special drops like i'm gonna have to quit because i just won't be able to to do that yeah, anymore yeah. and then you're in the room while he's catching lightning in a bottle but yeah, maybe he did two it twice nights in a row is that his plan just like tape a purely improvised set and then... so i think that's what he did i think he i think he taped six of them and then like made a documentary about it and they that's were all fun. and i talked with his opener gilbert lawland fun guy and he was like, I haven't seen him repeat a premise. Like, oh, shit. Not a, premise. <laughs> a premise. I thought there was only six premises. <laughs> My like, ass, your ass, the moon, like, politics, like, dating. Many, I don't know how many shows he did, if it was like 10 or 20 or something like that. But he was regularly opening for him. Didn't see him repeat like a thought. I don't even get it. And like that funny every single time. So anyway, check out Rory Scovel on YouTube. Like, what the fuck is wrong with the industry? <laughs> it's like <laughs> a lot of stuff. They're, yeah, they're. Um, I mean, I think it's less taking chances, more trying to come up with a magic formula. But then again, I don't know the finances of the industry. Perhaps they have it figured out where they're like. Enjoy your artsy high end stuff. Yeah, we yeah. know that this level of quality and consistency yeah. puts ass. We're going to in make seats. a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like artistic, yeah. Inc- then go listen to whatever you want. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In our corner, and not like it's all bad, but um, it's just so easy to find so much stuff you hate because you're scrolling. Like that looks stupid. That looks stupid. That looks stupid. Who watches that? I tried that. I didn't like it, and so on and so on, and then. We all know people personally that they're like, why don't they have another Netflix special? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. uh. So, anyway, Rory Scovel. I just started watching a show 
physical on Apple TV, or he's in the show. He he's not the main character, but he's a he's a really big part. And um, it's, it's it's I guess it's like a dramedy. I would say it's it's more toward the drama than comedy. It's also just peculiar. It's about it's about like um, the eighties and some fitness person that got into like jazzercise and like went we've from been broke nostalgic to... for the eighties since the nineties. It's weird. Yeah. Like you look at the nineties where in something made in ninety five, they're like, the eighties never ended. It's still going. And there's been eighties nostalgia <laughs> parties forever. It's a very special decade for some reason. Well, it was I mean, what was even going on there? Because I was born in the eighties, but everything was really strange. It's like it didn't know who it was. And it was trying so hard. Like, it was very loud. You know, like, the colors were loud. Neon. And, yeah, Guitar solos. Hair metal. Crazy. New yeah. wave. Like, the pants were so weird. Like, the pants were... Why were the pants Big so Big pants. Weird? Oh, yeah, like, hammer pants. Weird. Or that's 90s. Yeah. Well, Hammer was late 80s. No, Hammer, Hammer, Hammer was, was like 90, 86, I think. 87. 86? Oh, okay. Do you want to, should we look it up? Do you want to, do you want to wager when, uh, can't, can't touch me? I haven't looked it up yet. Uh, I'll uh, say 1990. Can't, can't stop this. Can't touch Can't stop me. this. Do, 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 do. You can't stop this. Uh, it's still I, pointing to this, but it's like, it's I'm not, you can't touch say, it. It's, uh, I'm going to say uh, 87. 87? I'll say 1990. It just feels yeah. like 1990 to me. Are you looking it up or am I looking yep. it up? I'm lo- I'm looking it up. Oh, cool. <laughs> this is still a free will episode, right? I, th- I thought we were going to yeah, integrate yeah. Uh, Rory's um, special no. with, with free will and like the ability to to make choices I just wanted in to, real time. Oh, you just want to plug well, it? I- yeah, I wanted to plug it, and I just thought that um, I thought that. Oh damn, nineteen ninety! I it's nailed it one- on the dot. Yeah. I mean, on the year, not on the date or anything. Imagine if I got the time right. It was released at four o three p.m. <laughs> on January sixth, nineteen ninety. No, and he sampled it from uh, you know, the Rick James Super Freak song. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I mean, I mean, I do. It it did one. I just wanted to plug it because I'm excited about it and it's on my mind. And I was thinking about Goodwill because it's a Patreon thing. And we also do better when we like, uh, uh, like riff a little bit in the beginning, but um, to get the juices flowing. But also, it does have to do with like. So this this isn't the question I'm the most interested in with free will, but maybe you are. I don't know. But but the main question that I think kind of comes to mind when you think about free will is like the big picture, right? Like if you if you reset the clock and do the Big Bang again, does everything is all of this happening again? Like is that kind of what you think of with like the big picture free will well stuff. it doesn't it doesn't take out the variable that is each of us the individual nodes of consciousness where it's like okay we restart the clock again do you make the same decisions yeah i guess i guess you do if if you don't know any differently then but but those are still decisions though mm. so it wasn't written in i don't know it, it is one of those endless uh, I, I use the phrase endless circle, circular arguments a lot, don't I? I use it with everything. 
but I don't, it, know, I don't think that you do. And I think that I wonder if uh, I wonder if we agree on that because I I think that I think that I'm in agreement. I I think that if if you're like oh if you start over the Big Bang, if you start over the Big Bang and things go differently, then it wasn't the Big Bang. Yeah, that like, we're in. Let's not do Big it's Bang. A different let's, one. Let's say ten minutes ago. If you rewound the clock ten minutes and you don't tell me that you rewound the clock ten minutes, do I end up exactly here? Of course. Why wouldn't I? It's it's like rewinding you think so? the. It it seems so, and I know that there's also you could go with the timelines and multiverse theory where it's all happening and it's just a matter of what decisions you do that tune into it. And then you think that are you are you the choice maker fundamentally or are you in a loop right now? And then perhaps you still are a choice maker at a fundamental level, but perhaps I chose an incarnation with I don't get free will for this like however long I live. I live to be 76 or something. And then that that section, I made all those choices the same and felt them as though they were my own. But then afterwards I find, oh, those were all pre-programmed. I chose yeah. that journey. And then perhaps there's another level of inception above that. Like, oh, I chose the journey of being in the arcade of incarnations to choose these preset free will things. But the the feeling of it is what's important to me, not the whether it was written or not. Like whether it's real yeah. or not, you still feel like you made the choice. Well, because that's the question: Are we improvising, or is it all like scripted and not even scripted? Just like in the way that, um, you know, uh, if a grenade explodes and like was was this piece of shrapnel always going to go that direction not not like not necessarily that was there a creator saying this shrapnel goes this way or what you know just like yeah. a ju- just a inevitable aspect of the properties of of the existence that we're in but like randomness i think of randomness with computer like if you're simulating a grenade exploding in a computer game And then you tell each of the fragments, okay, make it shoot out at random value at this velocity, random angle at this velocity. Then Mm. uh, that number is not a true random number. Like when we do it in computing, it's uh, it's like part of a what do they do? They take pi or something. Yeah, Yeah, then they take that. So that's random to us, and that we won't configure it. But it's not random, random. And then you start to think, well, is there anything that's random at all? Or is the whole thing just the way that you would roll a dice and the way that the air hits it means that it would have landed on a six. So you win and then you get lots <laughs> of money and then you take up some of the girls sitting at the bar and then you get up to your hotel room and then you realize you're in your 70s. You're not going to be able to do anything with these women. So then you just paint them and then you go to bed. Uh, do you do you uh, <laughs> there there's also people have it's weird so what i'm really interested in talking about is more of like the practical applications of this so so i i do think it's a it's a really cool interesting intellectual conversation from the big scope of like if you rewind everything or multiverse and but but actual applications that might apply to our day-to-day is is the sort of thing that i'm a little more interested in and i and i don't oh, care i know nothing of that the, 
the conversation and we can toggle back and forth. But it, um, I'm more interested in like people's perception of free will and random. Like, for example, people have a hard time understanding what randomness even means. Like, like th- th- when when Pandora or, or or Spotify or whatever Spotify, yeah, when Spotify started adding a feature that was random um, playlists. Once in a great while, random means, I might have told you this before, but once in a great while, random means that it plays the album in the exact order that the album was originally. That's how randomness works. When you roll those dice that many times, and they would get complaints because (laughs) three songs would be played in a row in the order they were supposed to be played you know in in the album and they got complaints so they needed to develop a non-random randomness to make it feel more random Mm. than it actually was they built it into the program to make it to allow for to put in the program but if randomness stumbles upon a thing that is like a uh, chronological or, or you know the actual intended order fix that you know That's do, do, so it, do it funny it doesn't allow that? for actual randomness it's a pure yeah. it's it's almost like crafting a world with no coincidences no synchronicities <laughs> yeah, yeah. you like build a simulated universe like what would humans be like if there were no coincidences no synchronicities no no things to lead them to believe that there's like something spiritually higher going on. How would they behave? Would they still find them somewhere or like make it so no one can mm. ever look at the clock at 1111? It's like, have you ever noticed I've never seen the clock at 1111? <laughs> you ever notice I've never seen 222 before? Not once. I've seen 236. Oh, I've seen 201. I've never got it. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's very funny. Oh man. Um well it, it's weird too because in I, I think you kind of you and the audience probably knows my perspective on this aspect of it a little bit, which is I, I spend a lot of time thinking about our need for um for predictability and control. Mm. And what is interesting is the idea that I was thinking today about how we, we throw randomness at the problem of randomness. Like when, when there's these things that we don't understand and seem random in life, like I'm going to go out today. Hopefully it's a good day and I don't get hit by a car or whatever. And what you do is you cross your fingers and wear your lucky socks and like pull the doorknob five times. You you throw random bizarre behavior that a part of you knows can't possibly work at at an ocean of randomness and because it's like better than nothing. Oh yeah, you're the sidestep one. Which I I like this stuff too as a entertainment uh, intellectual exercise. But the yeah. like one guy was saying, well, I was walking down the street. Some guy selling a motivational book or something, and then uh, I was walking down the street, and then I decided I was going to sidestep two feet to the right, and that I would split off into a different timeline in which my financial troubles were solved. 
And so I step <laughs> two feet to the right. And two weeks later, I get a call and it's my new position. It's six figure and so on, so on that he he jumped timelines by being like, oh, I was on a on a path here. But yeah. now I'm going to break my script by stepping right instead of, you know, thinking that maybe stepping right was also in the script and all yeah. of it was maybe in the script. And right. Right. Uh, are you the author or are you oh, this is another McKenna line. Are you the author of the story or are you a chambermaid whose only purpose in life is to enter on chapter six, open the curtain, grab the <laughs> chamber pot, and then exit stage left, never to be heard from again? <laughs> what an oddly specific <laughs> example to yeah. use. Um, yeah, I I mean, I guess it drives the point home that... Uh, that like the the insignificance that uh, that uh, that we we need to think about and assess that m- might very well be the case it, depending on what scale you're viewing things and context and everything else um but i'm i'm definitely uh interested in so so what i'm the most interested in and again i don't care how you want to take this we can like toggle back and forth or whatever but what what i spend more time thinking about is not the it's not the big like physics questions of is there free will but more the why do we actually care like why like free will is very very freedom (laughs) freedom is like people's favorite word and it's very important to people, but in certain domains. And f- the word freedom has been used to indoctrinate people. It's been used to like invade to do things against people's will. And and but what's interesting to me is you don't want to choose everything in yeah. life. I don't want to be choosing which cells are circulating where in my body right now. Maybe if I had cancer or something, I'd want to close my eyes and choose that <laughs> away or something like that. But but you you can't you can't simply choose every single step in life, every single breath that you take in life. We already and- have choice paralysis with dinner. Like we don't have to <laughs> yeah. hunt our food anymore. We get to have other people prepare it professionally. It's not going to make you sick because then the FDA will shut them down or something. And it's still like, I don't know what I want. I had Mexican yesterday, and that's like a, <laughs> such a common trope in like you know relationships, roommates, whatever. Oh, I'm glad that you brought up roommates because that's exactly. So I was thinking about this. I had a uh, I had a flash of, and I hope I don't. I hope I don't go. S- I hope I'm not so open with my um, suicidal ideology that it's just like <laughs> annoys people uh, because it's not that. It's just like a thing that flashes in my mind, just like quite a bit in unexpected ways and stuff. Yeah, we're we're and also part like, of the mental health community, and this is a less toxic way of dealing with it because we are mental health professionals, and thus. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It, it's okay to uh, suicidal yeah. ideate on this show, not everywhere, uh, but on this one. The I think the MSC or whatever the Mental Association Health was okay with I, it. 
I think it's healthy to talk about. I and I, it, but it's just it's especially like uh, if I haven't said this before, it's the most annoying thing is that I'm not going to. It's it's super unlikely that I'm going to kill myself. Super unlikely. So yeah. it's like why why waste time on the thoughts? You know, it's like it's just like such a it's just such a time suck. It's just annoying and like and you can't you can't resist them too much, you know? It's like a puzzle that you have to navigate. And I was having this I'm not going to say what show it was. It was just this fine enough virtual show that I was doing it wasn't bad or anything and I even got paid a little bit for it I had like a it was well enough attended and uh and it was a fun enough show and everything and I just like I was just sitting there and I was like "Ah, I'm gonna kill myself this time (laughs) yeah like in the middle of the show I'm just like this is it this is I'm going to and then there's the other part of my brain get a laugh no, I didn't say that. No, oh, no, no. It wasn't like part in, of the in bit. my oh. in my head. I'm just like I'm trying to p- play along and be a part of the show. And the whole time, I'm like, I'm gonna. This is it. I'm gonna. I'm done. I don't care about this any. And then there's the other part of me that's just like, Shane. This is. We've had this conversation so many times. You know where this goes. This is a passing thing. You're, you're like. You're being dramatic right now, and it's just like, but there's nothing I could do to stop myself from doing that. And one, one of the things that I think that I wrestle with is the free will aspect of existence. Like I think that in my mind, like subjectively, I don't feel like I'm choosing to exist. I feel like I'm having to <laughs> exist, you know, like yeah. I feel like there's too many like social conditions and things that I would like feel bad about or, you know, whatever else. And I don't want to do the or, or whatever. And then there's also things that I like about it. But but I feel like it's it's not an option. I don't you have to exist. It's not an option not to like maybe maybe at a time where I would have if I'm like terminally ill or something like that, I can be like, hey, I'm not going to get the treatment and it's been fun, everybody or something like that. But but so so I've been trying to. Re-frame. But the treatment takes two seconds and it comes in the form of just d- this. <laughs> no, like, I don't want to bother. <laughs> lollipop. <anybody>. No. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to no, bother. No, come back. I don't wanna. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, I don't want to waste the two second sucker on. <laughs> but, but the idea is, is like, I believe that there is a part because I know because it happened that this happens just as frequently, if not more. That there's a part. There's just a sub a part of the subjective experience of existing for me personally that can just be flipped that can be cognitively reframed reframed anytime that's just like i'm choosing to live i'm choosing to exist right now and that that same day the difference between those two experiences a day of having to you're doing the exact same thing like objectively if there was a camera on you and the movements yeah. that you're making having to do we've had this discussion before about like living your dream and then it becomes your job and then it like sours it a little bit because now you 
have to do it. Yeah. You don't have a choice. Having to do and something versus choosing to do something. And how do how do you convince your brain that you're choosing like which is in the human ma- mind is also an amazing justifier you can get people to choose something that they didn't choose and then ask them why they did it and then they'll be like uh oh well here's why you know i did that of my own agency like we need to believe that you know, like the purple mustache story that I told where I like kind of primed people into choosing a purple beer mustache instead of a different color one. Uh, I forget which episode is a couple episodes back, but um, that like the one thing that I didn't do, I asked people afterwards why they bought it. And then they would tell me some grandiose story that wasn't it. It was me priming them. But what I never tried was telling them why I think they got the purple mustache because my guess is people would have dug in and argued with that and people would oh, have been oh they like, would have doubled down yeah they're I like they look i gave you a, a chip elon musk gave me a chip that controls your brain i literally programmed you this morning <laughs> to get it and then they're like watching the evidence they're like i don't know i don't think those <laughs> chips are that stable yet and i really love purple and i had been talking to my wife about getting a purple mustache beer thing and did you know that kings wore purple because it was yeah. the most expensive dye in the world and there was a man named prince rogers nelson who was one of the greatest musicians of our whole era and he <laughs> loved purple too and you could see them like needing to justify it to the now they're like painting their house purple the neighbor's like that's a interesting color why'd you paint? well because i chose it because i have a choice and i make my own decisions but pe- people really do have a strong reaction to a feeling of they didn't sh- like people have a strong reaction to the idea of genetic determinism. You know, it's something that's very uncomfortable for people. It's a big thing in in academia right now of like the to what the, extent the, like people have a trouble like, with like you're predisposed to have cancer or suicide or depression. Well, or what, exactly. All of it. There's there's certain things that like oh you can be predisposed to Alzheimer's or cancer or something like that. But gender differences, no, you can't be predisposed to those. That's mm. society. Those are choices that we're making. Now you're excusing those. You can't say I was determined. And then it's and then it's funky too because it's then it's like oh someone was born a different gender or or like they were. They were born this sexuality, but then it's also a choice, and it's but but that's a whole thing in in the sciences right now is is that and just generally speaking that people don't like thinking about um like IQ IQ is a big one people don't like that's a very un PC thing. Because men do better because it's more like men uh, oriented questions or maybe women do better or racially. Is there like racial, racial weirdness? I think there's a few things like that. I don't think the differences are terribly significant. What the differences are significant in in is that um, higher IQ just generally tends to lead to more financial success in in life and so there's uh and so then 
Like, but how are we even measuring it though? Like just when right, you, you think of who came right. up with the test, like there's got to be some inherent bias with. Right, of course. And yeah, like how would you even be. be able to solve that? A, a, I, pu- a purely unbiased test that anybody could take and it would give you an accurate intelligence number. And to try to put intelligence into a number is so funny. Mm-hmm. Not that everything should, shouldn't be quantified and like all art is equally beautiful and that, that kind right, of right. thing with it. But with intelligence, you mean the ability to problem solve and like uh, simulate and all without all just going on to one person's point of view within that and making the decision, that's nuts. And you're going to give that, oh, you're 126. 126 intelligences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's like, uh, what side of the bed did you wake up on that morning that you took the test? I mean, are you hungover? Did you sleep enough? What, uh, What time of day are you taking the test? Like... All those things are pretty big environmental factors just that day alone, let alone, uh, you know, uh, the neighborhood that you're in or grew up in or all these other all these other factors. But I I mean, I, I think that there is, you know, kind of the gold standard is twin studies, you know, identical twins where they get like separated at birth and then they. They study them later on in life. They're reunited, and then they find out that, like, oh, they have these same mannerisms and have all these things. And IQ is like, the those those twins are going to rate, you, you know, what whether the measurement is flawed or or says anything or not. It's still those those twins. I I believe are going to are going to get roughly the same number. On, oh, that's interesting. On the IQ test, which is like a little bit deterministic. I someone should feel free to fact check that. Someone should uh, because I'm I'm just But also like here. you're you're wondering like are of all the twin studies like how far apart did they grow up because maybe they're like in similar yeah. neighborhoods like western culture the same. What if one is like in a very different culture on the other side of the globe is more in a hunter-gatherer kind of setting the other one is just purely white collar like all typing sort of thing but it still and, might be a different intelligence that's more suited to that you know environment and just like in utero uh, the uh, the in utero envi- the um uh, the the fetal environment is I, I think i talked about the dutch hunger winter where where women in their third trimester were starved, basically, by the Nazis. And then I talk about this, right? No, no, it, no. Oh, uh, yeah. During uh, World War II, the the Nazis cut off the food supply to the Dutch at some point. And they went to winter. There was like a lot of famine. And uh, there was basically... Women that were in their third trimester and malnourished that at that time, those uh, you, you skip forward sixty years later, those babies that they had in utero at that time um, have way higher rates of diabetes than anybody else because the fetus oh, basically right, learned they had to, to be thrifty, keep sugar, yeah, 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 and and then the and and then they. And then those people are more inclined uh, to any of those women are then more inclined to also have children that are going to have diabetes because they're 
body is thrifty and withholds from their own fetus and it's this whole so so there's like determinism in that way too and and but then but but what's so strange about free will is there's so many times that we don't care like we like being surprised you know yeah yeah. we like being in the passenger seat we like being like you choose the restaurant tonight you know we we, and mystery box random shuffle and it's but there's like if you look at the start of uh uh, like with the lockdowns of COVID was a really good example of like, I totally get the point of people not wanting authoritarian. It, I, I was never totally on, sure what I, the authoritarians in. I, I was never really sure what I thought about the lockdown. Um, situ- I, I think historically the lockdowns, they, it's not the first time people have tried to do lockdown things in human history. And they just historically like, are problematic um, mm. for similar reasons, but but I do I often think that um, you know for all the things that they're like oh we're social animals which is true and like we need to get out and this is a mental health issue all those things true but at the same time if the next disease is that you need to be in groups of people <laughs> socializing all the time and going to concerts and live music, I promise you that people will be like, I need my alone time. This is ridiculous. <laughs> you can't tell me I have to socialize and go to live music all the time. And it's a free that will. That would be hilarious. What a fun <laughs> year that would be, but also annoying. Where you have to party, you can't. Yeah, you have to like hold hands with someone in the bathroom, otherwise the virus gets you. Because the only thing that fends off this virus is two or more people hanging out at the same time. Well, it's like the movie. What's that movie? Um, where he's like needs to keep his adrenaline. He needs to keep his adrenaline up the whole time. It's like the movie Speed, Speed but like biological Speed for a person. Oh, yeah, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's not like Jason Statham or something like that. Sounds like a Um, Jason Statham. Yeah, and then I I never saw the movie, but I guess he has to like get in a fight and then bang a lady and like do all (laughs) these like crazy adrenaline fueled things because otherwise the poison will like set in or or whatever he has to do. Turns out he's just this Irish guy like has to go get in (laughs) fights and stuff all the time. Oh, we thought he had some adrenaline thing. He's just the Irish guy. <laughs> that actually doesn't a, make sense. I'm just thinking of one specific bar fighting type of guy. Of course, not every Irish person. That would be I, insane. I, I'm sure there's been a few people that have used some sort of a pickup line of like, my life depends on this happening tonight. <laughs> I've been poisoned by a special serum, and if I don't get it out of me, um, but there's. But yeah, that would be a that would be a fun movie. The next pandemic of of like people just have to party. 24 so you still get to sleep eight hours but you got to sleep like huddled together it's actually a lot of mm-hmm. um there are there are like cold-blooded animals that huddle together when they get sick too in the way that we in the way that we'll have fevers to that's usually so when people are like oh i felt feverish after the after the vaccine or whatever during covid uh, curvid the curvid <laughs> the immune system is a is a 
has a variety of tools and doesn't always know the best one and sometimes just throws like a mixed bag of tools at a situation. But fever is number one go-to. Let's burn this sucker out of there. Uh, let's raise the body temperature. This body can handle it better than the virus can. And so there's social animals like bats, uh, for instance, ironically enough, that that huddle together to actually inhibit the um, the spread of of virus, like they still get it, but it keeps it. Oh. Um, it, it it keeps it. So they don't uh, have a fever system, or you're saying they do that for even more fever system. It might be both, but I know they do that as as their fever system. I don't know if they can individually have a fever, but yeah, they mm-hmm. they'll huddle together when they're uh, when some virus comes. Are bats through, really and then, blind, and why are they so spooky? Um, no, you don't have to some of the them second are, and, and spooky is a good question. Yeah, but, they, they own spookiness. I mean, who else is on the roster there? Spiders, uh, black cats, and, and bats, but, you know, crows are pitch black, and they don't really get much spooky. Rep. Well, it's weird, too, that we, because spiders make sense because, not really in the U.S., but evolutionarily... A creepy crawly thing and sometimes spiders could be poisonous or would certainly hurt like hell if it stung you. And it would make sense to evolve an aversion to it. But I'm not sure why it would make sense to evolve an aversion to bats. Maybe because you're, maybe because caves are like a scary place to be when they're noises or something. Huh. I don't know. That's a, Actually, the spookiness is a good question because you have to. Do they spread disease? Unless it's like culturally, even, oh. yeah, maybe. Do they? Do they hang? They're just around at night. Could just be a recent thing, but it seems like they're spooky f- for a long time, not just because of Batman or something. Batman. Well, if you think spooky. about like Halloween, you could you could think well culturally. Uh, these things were imposed or something. But I would tend to think that they are emergent um, properties, like art, like cultural articulations of evolved instincts, which is like webs, spiders, yeah. and like zombies, like rotting flesh and stuff, and like eyeballs. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it is like, it makes a lot of sense to stay away from a lot of that sort of thing just people in masks generally yeah i don't know uh, who i wonder who the first person to do the mask situation was that would for have a been, halloween no just like ever like thought of a mask what if i put this thing over my face and then they oh, won't know yeah. who perpetrated <laughs> this thing. just a rock with two holes in it where you can al- still see the guy's face I know it's you behind there, Ugg. <laughs> so, um, so there's, there's this, I wish I knew this study. I just kind of heard this, uh, this is like an offhand conversation after a podcast with a, with a guest. Um, and it just sort of stuck with me. I think we just started talking about free will, um, out of nowhere and, I guess there's some studies that show uh, if you ask people, uh, would you like to 
um, have no control over anything but feel everything or have no feeling whatsoever and have control. What's People pick choice? feeling, right? People pick feeling, but then yeah, you got to go feeling. Oh, here we go. If you go, if you go, would you like other people to have no control over themselves whatsoever, but to have feeling, or would you like them <laughs> to have no feeling and perfect control Vulcan over themselves? And you guessed it. Yeah, we people... want the we want the zombie world for ourselves, and we want to feel while everyone else acts perfect. Yeah, yeah. So we want control for others, freedom for ourselves, mm. and that's led us to where we are exactly right now. Look outside, <laughs> yeah. but make sure to put the news in front of you because you might be looking at a tree or something. But look at the news, <laughs> and you'll see where this type of thinking has gotten make sure us. And put the news. But take a look out that door and look at your phone or newspaper. Uh, <laughs> I love the idea of someone <laughs> listening, just enjoying nature. Oh, put the news. Okay. Here, they pull out their phone. Yep, they're right. Yeah, they're killing it. Um, it's been, a, I don't know if I've just checked out, but it feels like there's way less news in 2021 than oh, 2016 yeah. through 2020. What do you think about this idea? I think that people are having, and I'll include myself in this, I think that people are having, um, in because I've actually been kind of like, I don't know what to say about the vaccine stuff anymore. Like, I don't, I don't mind, like I yell at people just to blow off steam. I'm not like trying to convert anyone or anything because I think that's like, people are like, what you need is to get a book on how to influence people and you come to where they are. And I'm like, oh, that's not what I do. I'm going to mock them. If they're going to like make my life worse, I'm at least going to mock them for doing it. And but uh, but I've been like, you know, letting go some. But I but I am I'm concerned that because I see this in other people. So, you know, it would be naive to think that I'm not doing the same thing which is that I think people are kind of having an allergic response to, have we talked about allergies before and like what kind yeah. of allergies they're about? Not really. Well, there's this great hygiene hypothesis that we might as well introduce because I'll probably bring it up a fair amount in the future. Yeah, it's a free will choice. That's how it fits in with this episode. <laughs> Everything we say that doesn't have to do with free will was a choice, therefore it's about free will. Everything that is about free will could have been determined, but since we're talking about free will, it is also about free will. So that one is it's like ultra like sassy Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro just comes out one day and it's like it's about the free market, but it's also about dating guys because I was gay the whole time. <laughs> That and was most, all, all you need to do is give, them, is give them enough uh, enough clicks and people will talk. And isn't that isn't that was that, the speaking, only voice actually up until like five of, years ago? Speaking of that, does have to do with free will because how we talk sometimes about getting hijacked, people getting hijacked by their audience, and then do you have free like a lot of times you carve. Uh, uh, you carve out a niche for yourself 
being unique or defining or, you know, blazing your own path or taking a chance or whatever. And then you get this audience from it and then you might change or whatever, or your, your things might evolve, but they're still wanting that you that they were. And then you have to kind of pander to your audience. And then if you're, if you're just going by whatever gets the most likes, we've talked about this on mind under art. If you just go by whatever gets the most likes that can corrupt what you do. And, and there's a certain aspect of you that can't help, but like, who knows how much you're actually doing that without knowing it. Right. I'm sure you know? I am. I know that I have to be with comedy and everything else, despite what I, what I tell myself. But but how much how much free will do you really even have when you're like, well, I know it works when I I, I know this old routine works and gets them and pays the bill. So you just kind of <laughs> keep on feeding that um, that machine that has to do with uh, that is about free will a bit. But this is um I mean, everything's a free will conversation, I guess, yeah. if you boil it down. But what's the, 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 the allergy yeah, thing? hygiene the hygiene hypothesis is the idea that in our ancestral past there was um there was like nonstop uh diseases and parasitic threats that you're that you were running into in various environments. You're on the move they Probably our hunter-gatherer ancestors were migrating quite a bit, like birds did, you know, seasonally, um, going going south in the winter and up north in the summer. And We've got it so easy. Yeah, air conditioning. They had to migrate. Else. Well, that's actually what I was doing before COVID. I planned out. It's part of the why I went on the road was because I'm like, I can't handle winter, but I don't also want to be super hot. So I'm just going to be in the south for uh, all of smart, winter. Smart. And but um, and there's snowbirds and stuff. Uh, but um, so so the idea is, is there was no amount of cleaning you could ever do to ba- basically, um, you know, we uh, humans would generally evolve this kind of spectrum of like conscientiousness or cleanliness of a propensity to clean things or grooming practices or whatever that would avoid um diseases generally and 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 in our ancestral past there wasn't really such a thing as ocd as much there probably was but but the idea with this is that there probably wasn't as much of it because there was real threats that were being managed. You could never get everything clean. Mm-hmm. And then in our modern world, Lysol comes along and indoors and smooth surfaces and you can sterilize everything. And now, so, so just as this isn't a, this is just a arbitrary number that I'm using. Um, so say in our past, there was 10 threats just to make it easy, like 10 threats a day that you were like, maybe you get a cold, maybe there'd be like some bug there something like that. Say there was 10 a day. And then in our modern world, now there's like one or even zero most of the time. Well, you still have the same evolved, um, disgust, which is one of the like, we'll talk about sub-selves um, in the future and the, the many things that 
organisms have to do um, in the different hats that we put on. But we have like a disgust subself that comes on when you like step in dog shit or something like that. It takes over your ew, ew. your brain and you address. You better it. have that. You shouldn't be like mmm. Mmm, but dung beetles, uh, dung beetles love a good turd. But so there's the idea is, is that there's maybe something going on that's so we have a lot of like supervisory sort of mechanisms in our mind to make sure everything's working kind of as it's supposed to. And the idea is, is that if you aren't detecting enough threats, the brain can just like the brain can decide, oh, I guess there's not that many threats in the environment. Cool. And that happens sometimes like like when there's a, like when there's a species that doesn't have a predator anymore um, in its environment, it will start letting all of its defenses down and stuff. So then what's the do you know any examples of that one? Yeah, like they uh, hunted wolves to extinction in some state park um, in the U.S. Uh, in like the early 1900s, and and then all the elk had no predators anymore, and so then they just never grew up to like Peter there was Pans. nothing that they would ever see that would scare them. So they they just like yeah like anything that come out yeah you could pet them whatever else well oh, then when cool. wolves were reintroduced it was easy pickings they had they had nothing in so they had to like relearn those kind of um, uh, predator evasion techniques and perhaps that's that's what happens with uh, with disease threats sometime so the other the other option in the mind is, and this is what the hygiene hypothesis is, is that some people's brains go, you know what? Maybe it's the threat detection that is off, that isn't picking up. It's like broken somehow, and it's not picking up on the threats that it's supposed to. So let's increase the sensitivity. Of because the- it's inactive? Yeah. So it's like, oh, the volume's like, so there's no music playing basically. It's like, oh, the volume must be down. Let's turn up the volume a lot. So then you just get the static or something. And then you're you're developing allergies to stuff that isn't really harmful, but it's giving you the reaction as though it is harmful. Exactly. But that's like with some, right? Not with like, I thought peanut allergy is legit or... All, all yeah, those there's kinds of some things. like um, the, the, that's like a shirt right there. Peanut allergy is legit. F- well, for example, lactose tolerance is a good like. I think I think fifteen thousand years ago, there's only five or ten percent of humans that were lactose tolerant, and then yeah, but now we're uh, putting pesticides into our cows and we're feeding them mercury <laughs> and we're shoving asbestos up their rectums and we're we're stirring that together with nuclear waste and we're eating this every day. But it's it's actually an example of how fast evolution can happen because for fifteen for in fifteen thousand years from people to go to from from the majority of people to go from lactose intolerant to lactose tolerant, which is a genetic thing is crazy like it completely flipped from 90 10 to 90 10 to 10 90 the other way wait what are we and at now we're at 90 tolerant something like that yeah, yeah. oh so and it started intolerant and we grew it to, started intolerant yeah and we kept yeah, drinking like, it or we just we, descended from people that were cool with it 
It means that whoever was lactose tolerant, the small amount of people in the population that were lactose tolerant, the, the benefit of being able to drink milk was so incredible that they passed on more genes and had more inclusive fitness than those that weren't. Just milk changed the course of human history. Game changer. I believe uh, I believe the Mago- uh, Mongolians um, benefited from uh, like there was wars where, and now I'm really speaking out of my comfort zone, but um, but there was some, there were some wars. Uh, and by the way, for the listener, I don't know much about the last fifteen thousand years of life on this planet. I, yeah, I usually go me back plus much a million further. billion years. Yeah. Um, Everything but, uh, I say is random gobbledygook and should not be interpreted <laughs> anything. Legal Zoom is not a law firm. It's okay to tell a story about the Mongols that was not 100%. Legal Zoom is not a law firm. Well, they were, as the story, as I'm remembering it in my mind, they didn't have the numbers and they didn't have the technology. Um, but whoever they were fighting needed to use many, most of their horses and resources just for bringing food along. And the Mongols had, uh, they would milk their horses. So the thing they would ride into battle was also a source of <laughs> nutrients for them. So there was just less stuff to lug around and it made them more mobile and everything else. And that so milk won wars. Oh damn! Imagine being killed by someone, of- and then they just start squeezing their horse's teat and drinking <laughs> their cereal milk with it. That should be a got milk commercial of just someone being decapitated <laughs> by a, a sword. <laughs> um. So so yeah, there's legit allergies, but this hygiene hypothesis, which may or may not be true, it's just very interesting. And yeah, the and fact that we call like it, it hypothesis when we always use theory. I mean, not just you and me, but everyone yeah. says like theory, and there's only six theories in the whole world. Everything yeah. else is a hypothesis, and most things are not even hypotheses. So so the idea is, what if? The threat detection is going, let's bump this up. Let's make this a little more sensitive. Let's make this a little more sensitive. Still no threats? Okay, let's make this a little more sensitive until one day you're outside and you have some dander or whatever or pollen enter your system and your over-anxious immune system that hasn't seen a threat in a very long time is like, there it is, it's go time, and ends up... Most of what an allergy is, is, is the, you know, it's an autoimmune uh, issue of your immune system attacking itself um, in the absence of a, of a real threat. It's, it's attacking healthy cells in your body. And so the idea is, is now, so, so use that. Now let's take that logic and apply it to what happened with COVID where now we had Everyone, like their disease, you know, everyone kind of got um, hay fever-ish symptoms at the beginning of COVID. People are like, oh, I think I had it. Oh, My yeah. eyes got everyone like watery and like allergy. Could have been the time of year generally, but it could have been that 
if you prime the subconscious enough, if you much in the same way that I could sit here and describe like two girls, one cup or something like that to someone and maybe get them to vomit without actually coming in direct contact with the actual like yeah. direct And that's old news now. They use that in Pepsi commercials now. We're like so desensitized <laughs> to it. They use it in <laughs> Remember when that was something you could prank people with and now we're just so desensitized? Like what? <laughs> so... And and there's just been so like there's what Bert Kreischer and Tom Segura have two bears one cave that's like a play yeah, on that yeah, yeah. Amy Schumer's yeah, right, right, uh, right, right, three right. girls one Keith yeah uh, but but the, but the point is 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 that you can you can be psychologically triggered to have these physiological responses much like you can have you can get anxious by me telling you like there's someone outside that's trying to break in whether or not it's true like but potentially that's what happened during covid but then uh, in the very beginning and and so so now at the we'll call it the end of the first end of covid anyway <laughs> uh with with the summer and there's more of these than police academies there's like <laughs> there's like 27 end of covids we've had um and uh, i i mean people are getting vaccinated and hopefully if enough people keep on getting vaccinated and variants don't take off and hooray for vaccines uh but um potentially people that were actually doing everything and taking it seriously or 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 just overly vigilant generally and then trumps on the news all day which is how this got brought up like you know trying to get attention and saying more outrageous things and 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 all of our anxiety was just so high and then the winter the numbers were out of control and you couldn't see family during the holidays and all these things and now it's like trump's out of there people are vaccinated it's summertime you can reacclimate again and i feel like people are having a hygiene hypothesis sort of reaction to life in a lot of ways. I, I sense a lot of people have unusual number of anxieties about pretty benign things right now. I don't mm. know if you've noticed that. No, like what? Like, um, like on the, on the like, nationwide scale or like in their personal lives? Like, for example, like my parents, I got a, I got a stand up paddleboard, um, and, uh, for my birthday. And there's like lots of like, what's it like out there? Is it too deep or is there, a, you wear a life chat? There's just like lots of anxiety, but oh. it seems like, it seems like lots of people that I talk to are like, it, like it's, it's a big Lyme disease season by the way and uh, and do what you do to protect yourself and and, and it is an unusually bad season because what do you do to protect yourself i haven't done anything uh i think there's like ddt that you can use you got to check yourself after hikes but you can use uh, oh i don't even sleeves. go on hikes i'm probably fine you're probably fine but but the point is is that that people are kind of I feel like people are kind of transferring those big anxieties into 
lots of smaller ones, like kind of trying to like make up things to be anxious about in the same way that we've talked about. Um, we've been running on the treadmill. And then when you get off the treadmill, it's like you're still kind of going at that speed. It's like you're off the treadmill now for the most part. You don't need to be worrying about a stand up paddleboard. Yeah, exactly. So in the way that we talked about on the episode with the the stress response system of the stress response system comes on really quick, but you never needed to relax in a hurry. The sloth art episode, you never need to relax in a hurry. So the parasympathetic response that dials everything back down, that gets your digestion going again, that gets you breathing regularly again, your sex drive active, your your memory, the long-term building blocks of life, your immune system going regularly, that doesn't, there's no rush to get that back online. It takes 20 minutes or so. What if it was only sex drive that came back on before breathing or anything (laughs) and you're just... (laughs) (laughs) So because of that, you're still fired up. So so you'll have a fight with someone, you'll be in an argument with someone, and you'll resolve whatever that argument is. But your hormones, your endocrine system is still telling you, we're being threatened right now. We're in this stressed state. Something must be out there that is threatening us. And then your mind makes up, uh, rationalizes it by making up other things to be upset about with that, with that, uh, with that person. And I think there's some of that going on with just humanity in the environment in general, because Mm. things are pretty great right now by comparison. Oh, compared to a year ago, night and day. This one would be day. That would have been night. Even though there (laughs) is like some, it's weird how you'll have nostalgia for, for moments that at the time you didn't like it. And then you just, you miss it because you felt differently. So then it's kind of this grass is greener thing where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't want it to be quarantine again. But that first month, it was kind of cool. It was scary, but it was cool. It was it was so different. And the world had a different flavor yeah. to it. And it seems like the whole world was one movie the whole time. And then like the tape got taken out or it was a different movie or something. It's like, this stuff never happens in this reality. This is movie yeah. shit. And then that became scary because it's like, well, I don't want to live in the movie. I want it to, <laughs> yeah. to be a fun thing that returns to normal, you know, like a feel good movie. And then now yeah. we're kind of there now. And then we're we're kind of wondering what what to do with ourselves. Like yeah, you can't yeah. step fully back into 2019 mode, but also you can't be hunker down mode either. So we're like right. in this mixed state. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to bring up. Uh, did you know Tom Campbell at all? I've I've talked to him before, but I don't know if he's crossed your your field of research. He's a simulation theory. Uh, physicist no, guy. No, so, his name sounds really familiar. But, but, but am I thinking of Joseph Campbell or no, something? No, he's the he's the myth, uh, the story circle guy, power of myth, hero with a thousand yeah, faces, yeah. how yeah, every yeah. story is the same story, the monomyth. Uh, right. He's brilliant. Joseph, all the Campbells are great. Joe, Joe Campbell is next level. And Tom Campbell, um, his simulation theory is basically there's there's entropy and there's love and love not being like the oxytocin I love you thing, but kind of that in that entropy is disorder, like unorganized random information. And then love is like organized information and composed connection, 
connection and free will awareness units that are choice makers. And the way we evolve is by expanding our decision space. And Mm. decision space does not mean decision paralysis because decision, like too much decision would suck. But then if you also had the decision to have an AI make the, the great choice for you, then that would be the best. And then like the the worst place to be is have very little decisions but that's just mm. one model of looking at it so uh, that's interesting if you had heard that i hadn't and there's I mean, no there's, there's no top level of higher organization you can have like endless amount of higher organization and you can also go back to entropy whenever and He's he's mm. interesting in that he like talks about this being a simulation and virtual reality a lot, but he's also hard physics side too. Because when I talked to him, I I brought up zero point energy and what he thought of that. I'm like, uh, it sounds convincing, I'm, I'm not but familiar. then so then when the I asked him about motion thing, yeah, when I asked him about that, I'm like, is that possible or are my physicist friends right in that that's completely impossible? And this is a guy saying that the whole world is virtual reality, and he's like, well. I'd have to agree with your physicist friends. They, uh, they've kind of got the right idea there. Entropy is going to happen no matter what. But you are an <laughs> avatar in a virtual reality, and you can make choices to evolve or devolve your consciousness. Now, if you devolve your consciousness, you will just end up back in entropy. Random bits. <laughs> it can't be escaped. But you can build up your character. You can... Get a sword, like in World of Warcraft, and you can build up <laughs> consciousness choice points and have a good time. <laughs> consciousness choice points? He doesn't that say that. that he uses? <laughs> he doesn't oh. say that. That became a distortion in my set. But he does say, uh, you, you are consciousness, and you can make choices based on what your current information is. And you mm. can either evolve or devolve your consciousness, which evolves the larger consciousness system which is created of all consciousness yeah i I, man yeah i I don't know what i never know where i fall on that that's the bigger picture thing is side Mm -hmm. of like intellectual side of things like what do we do with that really is that like applying I never, I never know where I come down on that one. I think in like, what do you do with it? Kind of free, like, why do we care about free will sort of thing? I think I'm, I think I'm almost like much in the way that people say, well, no one says, you know, scientists say no one says, is it genes or the environment anymore in science? Like people still say that, but no scientist says that anymore yeah, because everyone knows both, it's yeah. enmeshed. And I sort of feel that way about determinism and free will. Oh, me too. A hundred million percent. Yeah. And I, I like it just for the end goal of getting to that state of mind that you talked about where it's like, I'm not forced to live every day i'm choosing to live today and so telling yourself the story that you are the choice maker and i can make decisions faster than i'm making them now i don't have to be so rigid i can make wrong decisions i can probably correct it later up to a certain point i know there are many decisions that can can lose an arm a leg a a brain uh hemisphere all all that stuff your character can lose all kinds of armor or 
They can even lose their life. And when you die, you don't keep your memories because the larger consciousness system doesn't want you to keep your memories. So when you die, it gets erased entirely. But you can reincarnate into a new avatar and keep playing until you evolve to the highest form of consciousness. He's a state of mind I like to get into because then it's like, your life doesn't suck. You are just an avatar. You can do whatever the fuck you want. You can even drink Soylent, even if it's made of poison. Your character doesn't care. It just drinks it. <laughs> this probably doesn't matter because you haven't, you haven't heard him, so you don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, that's okay. There was a YouTube commenter recently that was just like, it was like, I don't like when there's impressions and I don't know the person. And I wrote him back. And well, you're going to get a lot <laughs> of that, baby. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, that's. I was like, well, Ramin is working on his Justin Bieber. But in the meantime, maybe <laughs> appreciate the show for what it is, which is we have unique tastes and we like caring about what if Things I didn't even do anymore? I only did dentist McKenna, <laughs> even though I don't have a good dentist McKenna at all. <laughs> but there's uh there there's there's something about consistency that they that goes along with a feeling of determinism that I think I I struggle with. You know, there's um there's pigeons or chickens or something like that that you you give them uh you give them I, I think it's pigeons you you give them a lever to press uh you know this is another one of these like skinner box kind of situations and you give them one of two levers one lever gives them a kernel so the, these chickens uh, like they can eat kernels all day or whatever one lever gives them a kernel 100 percent of the time the other level, the other lever gives them a kernel 50 to 70% of the time. And those, you can probably guess that it's like, it, it, do, you, do you have a guess at which? You said 1% one versus 50 to 60%? No, no one is 100%. Oh, 100% versus 50 to 60? Oh, they go for intermittent for sure. Yeah, intermittent every time is it, which isn't you know intuitively like if if we didn't know like what we already know about this stuff you would you would think like logically a robot you know would pick the you do the sure bet you take it a hundred percent of the time why would you take the for no reason take the thing does that speak 60%. to our deepest nature does our deepest nature when given the choice will you pick the light entirely or would you like the light with darkness we always pick the light with darkness. Boom. <laughs> but you're going to get yeah. nothing on some pulls. Oh, no, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. Here's a Sunday. What would you want on it? Oh, could you sprinkle some shards of glass <laughs> on top of that for no fucking reason? <laughs> it is frustrating. Uh, Did I ever tell you about that. the glass eater that I saw at uh, Fun 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 Fest? It was part of the, you know, one of the people's before Henry Rollins or something. I think uh, Eric Sprague, the lizard man, was also involved in it. He was one of the glass eaters as well. <sighs> but they Oof, they damn. take they take a Dos Equis bottle and they break Fucking it. Fucking lizard man. And then they, oh, you know him? You probably yeah. know him, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I haven't, yeah, I don't, I haven't heard from him in like a decade. But I remember he ate, yeah. he ate glass. Him and his uh, the other, uh, I guess. It's I like, think freak is the actual word, like the performer. I think they do call themselves sideshow yeah. or freak. This or is something. a guy in Austin. His entire face is tattooed green like a lizard, and he actually has uh, like metal horns implanted. Oh, in and his, his tongue head. splits. And he's got a whole um, wax statue like about him. over it. And oh, but yeah. But I wanted to say that the so they eat yeah. glass and stuff on the stage, and then I'm backstage, and then I'm like, I wonder how they did that. And then I look, they're just pouring candle wax into their mouth, and they're bleeding. And it's there was no trick. They just eat glass. Like the the trick is that they've trained themselves to be able to eat glass without dying, but their mouth still bleeds a little bit. And I was like, oh my god, these are real, these are real sideshow people. That's a and, well. That's I guess that's nothing but the respect. Thing. Wouldn't ever want to do it myself, but nothing but respect for those class eaters. I don't even know if respect is the word <laughs> that describes what I feel towards it. But that is, you know, that is that's the thing that creeps me out about free will. That's that's the thing where where it is important to me. I would say that I want to believe that we have a choice because otherwise it's so creepy because if they didn't choose <laughs> to eat glass oh man just determined and forced to eat that glass by destiny i think about that with myself and like drugs and stuff all the time like oh my god did something make me blast this drug into my brain what a horrible thing like if i did it i'm just a foolish monkey like being a little adventurous and having a bit of fun but if some simulator has me blasting reckless things <laughs> just like into my brain with no control over it. Like, fuck that thing. Whatever it is. They're playing the adventure game through you. <laughs> the uh, the other thing that I wanted to touch on before we leave, which is related and has been kind of alluded to and brought up, is the kind of roommate situation, which is that's the exact same thing. We do this with uh, we do this with significant others. We do this with actual roommates, which is like, you know what? This is my best friend. I have an idea. What if we live in the same <laughs> house together? I mean, we're best friends. Well, I just get to see my best friend more. And then you live in that house. and But now you've taken the choice away. There's oh, no right. more choice. Now you are, uh, you're in this, which is like, this is just an aspect of cooperation. This is love. This is, this is trust. This is just uh, like, the the idea there's an idea that love is um steven pinker has a really good book how the how the mind works um and the idea of uh of love evolving as this um psychological contract where like let, t- take traditional love because there's all sorts of there's all sorts of like friend love you love music there's a lot of kind of but think about the traditional romantic love 
Um, the year is 1952. Often... Tommy is about to propose to Sally at Makeout Point after they just got back from the soda shop. Traditional love. What? What is the driver, though, of Tommy and Sally's connection? You just, you just rattled off the 1950s perfectly in, like... 15 seconds you wrapped up all of the 1950s perfectly yeah that's what everyone just wants to go back to before led zeppelin before john coltrane before hendrix um they uh i had this um uh oh yeah so so the idea is is say not not humans say say any mammal that like fucks around with like monogamy or, or it doesn't need to be how monogamy. many of those are monogamy there like one makes, there's not very many what it's penguins like, and us no i think it i think it's closer to like one percent of mammals out there which is still you know that's a non-trivial number of things that fuck around with like at least social monogamy, you know, or mm. like pair bonding ish and fooling around and stuff. But, um, but the idea is, is say, you know, like in birds where tens pair off with tens, nines pair off with eight, nines, eights pair off with eights. It doesn't always work out that way, but that's just kind of generally how it falls together. Well, life changes you're at different stages you know like you can get injured you can come into good fortune things happen and mate values change so theoretically you could always be on the lookout for an upgrade and what the idea of like what love does as a psychological concept is it's this emotional contract that overrides this sane, rational robot always looking around and running the stats on, like, it overrides that to be like, I can't help, but I can only think about you. And it's this <laughs> bonding thing. I think the idea that he uses is, um, it's a really good metaphor. And I hope I don't butcher it horribly. I read this book like 10 years ago, but... Oh, this is going to be uh, extra good. But it was... Um, it was about how, like... Uh, so so say... So say you're protesting a tree being um, bulldozed down. As I tend so, to do, yeah. So you stand in front of the tree, mm -hmm. right? And now the bulldozer can't just drive right into you or they murdered you you know but now say they now say the bulldozer driver just like puts the thing on the wheel and just has it keep going and it's like well if you don't get out of the way that's your fault i've taken the control away from me i don't have control over that bulldozer <laughs> you have a choice you get out of the way but now if if the protester chains themselves to the tree Ooh. ahead of time and the bulldozer jumps out now it's murder again so it's Hippie about arms race 
Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's about, it's about handcuffing yourself in these like kind of psychological ways. Yeah. And perhaps that's what love's about. And, and so that, if that's true, um, that means that love is like a bit of a double edged sword in that, in that way is that like part of its nature is it's like, well, we're experiencing these things, so I don't have to worry about you leaving me, and you don't have to worry about me leaving you because we have this contractual emotional agreement because lawyers don't exist yet or whatever else. Mm-hmm. And and in fact, there's speculation that bringing lawyers into the situation is like part of what makes like divorce and everything more common. Um, you know, once you can kind of like there's a like there's uh, as opposed to was, if there was no law at all, like you're saying divorce mm-hmm. is more common than if we because, had no marriage or divorce. How would we yeah. measure that, though? Uh, like, like breakups are more common because there's things like divorce that happen. Uh, so it's, it's speculation, but uh, let it me. It feels wrong, but I'm open. I'm open. Yeah, to... sure. Let me let me throw it. Well, one, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of. Uh, data that shows that um, arranged marriages uh, last longer. Oh, I heard that non-arranged. Everyone always thought I had arranged marriage parents because I was the really? yeah because like brown just meant Indian. Like every uh, everything yeah. everything Middle Eastern is just Indian. Like growing up, and I don't I don't blame the kids because how would they know any better? Yeah, You're not yeah. supposed to know all the things, but they're like, so your parents were arranged marriage, right? I'm like no, and they're like, how did how did they get out of it? Like there wasn't, it's not part of the the culture. That's the different culture. Yeah, I once had someone on that was on my podcast that was part of an arranged marriage, and uh, we started talking, and then we had like a thirty minute like super fun conversation about it, and then afterwards they're like, I can't. I talked with like my husband and stuff when we can't air that like that. Oh, be, uh, bummer! Like, oh, Why not? Damn! I, don't I wonder know. if they so can air this referencing it. Um, How many degrees of separation? Could we not air this one? But could we reference an episode referencing it? No, uh, there's degrees of separation. <laughs> it doesn't matter that I said any of that. But there's um, there there's this uh, kind of off topic and related. There's this idea of um. There was there was trouble with uh, there was this daycare center where parents were they were trying to figure out how to resolve the issue of parents showing up late to pick up their kids because they're having to pay their employees overtime and everything else and and so one of the things that they did was they started charging you know like okay you show up late it's like another twenty dollars or something like that for showing up late to pick up your kid that's how the the intention was to resolve this issue so that that will be a deterrent to keep people from doing it Mm. and the rates of showing up late increased dramatically because people then then it just became a financial transaction. Yeah, it's worth people it. People no longer had to feel bad. Before that, people had to be like, oh, geez, I'm so sorry. Am I keeping you late? And then once you did that, you're like, oh, here's 20 bucks. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, that it's deal's a deal. And that's like sort of what maybe divorce is doing to relationships in a way is speculation. I don't necessarily believe that. I don't really think we're all that meant to be 
um, monogamous uh, individual differences apply and everything else. But it feels like it's a, it's not like meant to be. Um, I mean, this this is there's all another. sorts of literature about it, or not literature talk about it, and literature about it, and audio about it. The mm-hmm. but it's not like we're naturally monogamous, but it's a it was a culturally imposed thing to help uh i don't know maybe maybe not now like maybe now it's like kind of dissolving or something but before it was to keep the family together to raise the right see i don't even right, have the right, argument right, for right. it now i think oh i think the argument was then all the women end up with just 10 percent of the men have all the women or something right Some weird right. thing like that but then that sounds yeah. bad because then it's like no there should be monogamy so that you should settle for todd here Todd's a four, (laughs) you're a seven, but you can't just go be with Derek because then he'll get too many of the... We should should do a whole monogamy versus non-monogamy episode sometime. Oh, I got to defend monogamy because I'm in a monogamous relationship, so I can't just throw myself under the bus. All right, I'll go the other way with it. Yeah, I'll defend Um, it tooth and nail. And then by the end, you you beat me and then I have to go break up or something. I'm, I'm, I'm... I'm 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 not against monogamy at all. I think it works out for a lot of people. And I, I think they're I, both I would good. Say I'm it's, like fifty fifty. It just I think depends about who you're 50/50. with. Yeah, it's I think every I think relationship is different. When it comes to that sort of thing, I think that humans are super flexible with lots of tools, uh, not physical to like psychological tools at their disposal, and can adapt to different environments. And I think that. For some people in certain environments, monogamy is a perfect situation for them and they adapt really well to it. And in other situations, non-monogamy is the perfect situation for them and and they stumble on that as well. And then some people are doing the thing that isn't like meant for them as well. Both both ways. Like there's plenty of I know plenty of people that have tried open relationships and stuff like that and had a go horribly wrong but another conversation for another day but Mm -hmm. but the point is about that is that that that's like even the thing that we value most in life can potentially if if this line of thinking is in any way correct um could is potentially being soured by the very thing that's making it great you know, like, oh, I have someone I can depend on and a life partner. But like, by the very virtue of that, you're now like saddled with another <laughs> person and it's a shitty roommate situation. Like, I feel that way with my own brain. Oh, yeah. The roommates all, all in our head. The time. I'm very yeah. lucky that I've only had I've only lived with like two or technically I've only lived with three people outside of home and they were all mm-hmm. very carefully like. Because I, I felt like I already knew that I cannot go live with someone I don't want to live with. So it's, or maybe I just lucked out. Like I've had one roommate through all of college. He's the fucking best. Uh, mm-hmm. Another roommate was a best friend for two months and then live with Catherine now. And that's been, we're like eight years living together or something now. But I feel like anyone else, it just, it wouldn't work. It couldn't yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You're hearing that? Tom, if you want to move in with me, <laughs> not Tom Campbell. This is a different hypothetical Tom. Did I choose to say Tom twice or did I just pull the value from the other thing? All right. Ha <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
so yeah so that's free will i think we covered all of it despite it, whether we wanted to or not we did exactly what we were determined to do or maybe we made some choices along the way We've gotten nowhere in this conversation because, and I think we are both in agreement that there is nowhere to go, that we are kind of, sort of, right in the middle-ish terrain of free will and determinism. Yeah. And I think that it's super interesting to me where the domains of our life where we care the most about that and i think we'll probably talk a little more about that aspect of it in the future at least i'll probably bring it up from uh from time to time oh yeah you haven't seen the last of us said free will and determinism (laughs) the the villainous duo that's been controlling our lives the whole time imagine if we were just separated from free will and determinism how good our lives would be if we didn't have them oppressing us because choice is oppressing well, us and free determinism is oppressing us. Give us some third thing that's not part of that I, I, I binary. Mean, I mean, I think you're actually exactly right. I mean, that's part of the that's part of the frustrating thing that that's part of what I enjoy contemplating is like why why do we have the capacity to even contemplate this in the first place? Yeah, like, it's a weird there, software update must be some value in consciousness weighing in on like, hey, I'm getting some feedback up here, and I think that there's like a couple paths that could be taken and recognizing when there is paths and when that might be important and when it's not and when it's like, just put me on autopilot. No decisions to be made today. That There's how however that evolved and... What aspects of it are important to us is really fascinating. Maybe we're doing it ourselves. Like all this AI we're building, like this Amazon's choice, I'm feeling lucky, comma AI, self-driving cars, we're we're kind of maybe creating this this version of no decisions that we want. Mm. And it's going to be a hell and a heaven at the same time. And it's a weird sci-fi thing that we're getting ourselves into again. We love getting (laughs) ourselves into little sci-fi dystopias and then upgrading that to the next thing and then and it keeps on getting more extreme mm-hmm. too and it's it's uh oh you want to hear about the upgrade effect quick before yeah we leave? let's end on the upgrade <laughs> so apparently i need to look into this a little bit more not not that this is wrong but just that there's actually more richness um to it um than just the simplified version of what i'm going to tell you but the upgrade effect is is that it seems that there is a fair amount of data that indicates that when there's a new iPhone out, um, people lose and break their phones uh, way more frequently. Oh, interesting. Like as soon as there's a new one on the market, which means... Didn't they also admit to slowing down their the old software too at some point? This might be 2012 or something. Yeah, but even losing it, like yeah, um, losing and break is different than the thing just slowing down on its own. Yeah, 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 for sure. Because that's the thing as well. But but also, so that means that because there's like there's things you can do if you lose your iPhone, you can report it with a code, and if a new update is out, the number of those codes put in like goes down dramatically. People oh. will just be like, oh, I'll just get a new one stuff like that and so um and like phone repairs and stuff go way down 
But uh, so, which means that either it doesn't need to be either one of these two, but these are my best guesses. The most pragmatic one being that your brain just kind of downregulates the attention that it's giving to keeping your phone, you know, into, you know, it takes a certain amount of energy to keep track of your phone and keys and wallet and everything. Phone, and wallet, it just keys, sort of phone wallet, keys. Yeah. It's like when you have like a new thing around the corner, you know, like you get a new car, you, you're waxing it every weekend and taking good care of it. And over time, you're like, ah, if it breaks down, it breaks down. I could use a new one anyway. You just kind of like, oh, so uh, the thought of the new one. Relinquish some of the control. Yeah. With the thought of a new one. Like when you're the pregnant more, with a new kid, like your your five-year-old, you stop feeding it and. Yeah, the longer odds that have a bigger payoff, interestingly wise, in my opinion, is if if this were true, which is just my own idea, is that there's something more deceptive going on with your subconscious, with your subconscious literally just going like, I'm going to move this over here. (laughs) (laughs) We forgot about the... Yeah, free will while factoring in the subconscious, forget it. Like, who knows how much of that is even not determinism from Big Bang momentum, but from subconscious... Like, the subconscious maybe has the free will, and then we convince ourselves we do. And I might have said this quote already, but this podcast is all about... I might have said this already before, but... And then we say it again. We do that so much, but also if we had a podcast with a bunch of guests, when you do that, you have to restate where you're coming from with every guest yeah. anyway. That's why we have no Whereas guests here except we just for get Duncan in the future. Building on ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just we're just building up the Duncan episode forever. Like one day yeah, yeah. we're gonna have Duncan. And then it ends up being a different Duncan. Is there another <laughs> Duncan other than Heinz? That's made up. Oh, but the the point of the um oh yeah the alan watts line where he says that well when you make a decision you often weigh two choices together like back and forth and then after hours of deciding between the two you just make a split second decision that has nothing to do with anything at all and like (laughs) how like we we spend all this time which choice should i make and then after weighing everything it still is your gut that that just picks well whatever choice b and then you justify it but the justification had nothing to do with it. That's been scientifically verified. Yeah. That's, that's been, uh, there's, uh, that's, that's a interesting thing in neuroscience when people lose their capacity to, um, to feel emotion, um, because the region of their brain, like amygdala or whatever, you know, there, there's something that gets disrupted and they can't, they're just, they are Spock. When they do, when they do that, the idea is, is like, well, you'd make the most rational choices once you don't have emotions anymore, and it's not that you don't make rational choices necessarily. It's just that you are so bogged down with tedious analysis paralysis. If you ask someone like when they want to book the appointment, they'll just mull over the pros and cons of like. Well, this time on this day, I could go here or that, like, and it, they just can't make a fucking decision. Yeah. Uh, because they don't have emotion. Oh, and weird. So, yeah. <laughs> so, at funny. a certain point, emotions just like, whatever, fucking go, do yeah. it. Yeah. You thought the emotion was what was keeping you back and it was what was keeping you moving forward. 
Yeah, yeah. So um, we're moving forward with the next episode going into the Sweet 16. Once again, we'll be talking about at least the plan is we sometimes change our plans. But uh, we're going into the adolescence, puberty, that sort of thing. Maybe our own experiences. Maybe we haven't thought about what we're going to say exactly, but we'll talk about some animal kingdom stuff. And there's just it's an interesting formative years, and I'm sure that you guys will enjoy it this much. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, so yeah. And if you, um, by the way, guys, if if you want to support the show. And get awesome bonus content each week. We have Mind Under Art, uh, which is a whole Patreon series, Mumtreon series that we like to do. We have uh, a bonus episode each month at the time that you're listening to this. This is, I think, um, there was just a bonus episode, a, a part two of the personality discussion. You can hear that. There's a tier where you can get both Ramin and I's uh, lower tier from our individual Patreon. So you get some of Ramin's exclusive art that's only on his Patreon. You get like game nights with me and a few other things like that. Oh, you get like my uh, my the only existing recording of my good trip special. You get Ramin's only special um, that he put out as well. So Check that out because, like I said, we're ad free and we're going to stay that way. And so, and, and, and by the way, Ramin might go back and forth with me. I'm committed to keeping on Patreon so much. So, speaking of connection and, uh, and everything else, I'll make a deal with you. If, if you, if you join Patreon and one day we start selling ads and you're like, but I supported you on Patreon. So you wouldn't do ads. Then you can stop supporting us on Patreon then. But I'm confident that Patreon will pay off off enough. That's a very good deal. Yeah. Like I'm confident that Patreon will pay off enough that we won't need to do ads. Yeah, me too. But if the right, if the right guy or gal comes along and says, hey, can I advertise on your show? Maybe. This is a show that we have yet to pay for. Ramin and I not only have not made a single dollar, but we are in debt so far from this show. So your Patreon support helps tremendously. And it's also a wonderful community um, for uh, you guys to get to know like-minded people as well so yeah uh you guys are awesome and until next time keep on salivating honeys ding